Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am Jason Kong, and I have the pleasure of being here with Bill Alexander. I say being here. We're doing this remotely today via Zoom, as so many things are these days. Bill, how are you? Oh, I'm really good, Jason. This has been a vacation uh, week uh, for me, uh, and it's been quite nice. You know, the weather has really been pleasant and uh, couldn't ask for more. It's it's really been good. I hope this is true for everyone. Uh, (laughs) Actually, um, you know, it it makes this has been unusual because more often than not, I'll take a, a, a short break on the fourth of july but uh for for this we took the whole week and and um uh, there are a lot of folks uh, who might remember uh in at least those who grew up in north carolina and uh when when i was when i was young we lived in a a town near charlotte uh kannapolis Cabarrus County. Actually, Kannapolis is on the Cabarrus Rowan County line. Uh, but it was the it, it was uh, the home of Cannon Mills, which was uh, a, at one time the largest employer in North Carolina. Uh, Cannon Mills was the largest uh, at one time, of course, largest producer of sheets and towels uh, in the world. And they made fabulous, fabulous products. In fact, uh, uh, you know, 50 years later, we still have towels that are in good shape that are our Cannon Mills towels. <laughs> and one of the funny things about uh, growing up in a, in a textile town and, and being proud of the products that came out of that town was the fact that if you went anywhere, uh, you'd flip the towel over to see who made it <laughs> when you were in a hotel room or if you were in someone else's house, uh, particularly if you, well, you knew if you were in Kannapolis and you flipped the towel, it's going to be Kent Mills. But, you know, if you were visiting somewhere else, you'd, you know, if you were in the restroom, you'd flip the towel just to see who made it. And, you know, more often than not, it was actually a Cannon towel. Uh, but one of the funny things uh, that people wouldn't even understand or appreciate anymore uh, because the world has changed. But back when I was young, uh, the mill actually closed for the for the week of the 4th of July. It was the week in the summer where everybody took vacation. And so the mill closed down and because the mill closed down, the all the merchants in town closed down because nobody was in town to buy anything. <laughs> so, in essence, you could count on it every every week of the Fourth of July. Uh, the town was like a ghost town. I mean, everybody was on vacation. I mean, if if it, if you weren't on vacation, something was wrong. <laughs> and so, but it, it, you know. That, that's just, that's a, a time that's passed at this point. I mean, uh, can you imagine the city of Raleigh closing down where everybody was gone and it was a ghost town? Uh, yeah, would, <laughs> not going to happen. But anybody who grew up in a textile town in North Carolina, which, of course, most of North Carolina, the towns were um, 
were manufacturing in, in one form or another. And a lot of it was textile, if you will. But, uh, and, and most all of the towns did that. It was just part, part of it. An another funky thing about uh, growing up <clears throat> in a town like that was that in, in Kannapolis, uh, because uh, the merchants worked on Saturday, uh, particularly at, at least Saturday morning, if not all day Saturday, a lot of folks don't realize that back then, uh, Sundays, everything was closed. Um, you know, you don't see that anymore either. But, uh, and because the merchants, uh, uh, because they worked on Saturday, they closed on uh, Tuesday afternoons. You, you know, uh, that way, that was the way they could get their uh, Saturday, uh, uh, Saturday morning back, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of having Sunday and then another day off as well. Uh, that's just the way things work. In fact, Concord, which was the sister city, if you will, they probably wouldn't acknowledge that, but but they took Wednesdays off the same, the same way. So, you know, Wednesday afternoon in Concord, everything would be closed. And in Kannapolis on Tuesdays, everything would be closed. So, you know, uh, it's just fun thinking back about how you know how things have changed so much uh in the and of course what i'm describing in in small towns of north carolina uh was true all over the south it's just you know that was just part of being in the south <laughs> well anyway got to get to to the meat of, uh, of the show and so, of course, uh, you know, next uh, Wednesday is our webinar day. Uh, you know, you remind people of that all the time. Um, and so, of course, we'll we'll do our webinar our own long term care government assistance, which is so important to folks who are worried about paying for long term care. And the worries are justified. And the more people know about long-term care and the programs that are out there and where they can get help. And unfortunately for a lot of folks where they cannot get help, um, it's important. And those and, and our morning webinar on Wednesday uh, goes over those kind of things and it's so important. And then in the afternoon, we do um, another webinar uh, on trust-based planning and asset protection planning and how trust and asset protection can go together. Um, and, and that's a helpful free seminar as well. So anyway, just want to encourage people um, to consider uh, signing up for that because it's free and it, it takes about two hours for each seminar. Um, but it's, I mean, from my perspective, I've never had anybody say, I wish I didn't do it because it really is informative uh, and it's important to folks. Um, so anyway, but one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, this morning is what's, what uh, some attorneys call uh, Medicaid trusts. And of course, Medicaid it is the most important government assistance program for families because it's a program that's available to almost every middle-class family, as well as folks who don't have as much 
but middle class families can get it, and if with some help anyway. And that's uh, so it's a very very important program to folks, uh, and it's certainly you know for our webinars we we focus on Medicaid because Medicaid pays for nursing care, and yet you certainly hope. Uh, that you never need nursing care. Nobody ever wants to uh, knock on the door and say, I'd like to live here. That's just not the case. Everybody wants to avoid it, which, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I mean, we're all that way. But if you're unfortunate enough to, to require it where there's no other alternative, uh, it's expensive. You know, typically it's 7000 to $8,500 a month, or it can be even more expensive. It just, it depends on where you are. And uh, Medicaid will help you pay that bill. Uh, I mean, how many families have the ability to pay seven or $8,000 a month without running out of money very, very quickly? I mean, even well, well to do, very well to do families sometimes don't have that kind of liquidity because you can't pay in chickens, you have to pay in cash. Uh, and so because of that, Medi Medicaid is an extremely important uh, part of the government assistance uh, safety net, if you will. And unfortunately, when you get to care levels less than nursing care, the ability for folks to get help is very limited. And, and so th that information is so important. Uh, but there are a lot of attorneys, and the reason I want to bring it up is because I actually disagree with it. I, I don't like Medicaid trusts for the most part. Now, there are times when they can be useful and helpful, um, but there are alternatives that certainly can be better. But there are some professionals who recommend uh, Medicaid trusts uh, as an alternative, if you will, to transferring a home to uh, a, your children uh, or transferring other assets to your children. Uh, and in essence, what a Medicaid trust is, is a trust where you create a, a trust and uh, for your children and then transfer a lot of property, your home oftentimes and other property into that trust. And of course, when you make a transfer like that, you create a transfer penalty for Medicaid called a sanction. Uh, and in, in essence, there is a five-year look back uh, in the Medicaid program. In other words, they're going to look back for five years to see if you've transferred property out. Uh, and of course, that would include a direct transfer to your children, which I'm going to tell you why you should not do that. And then, um, uh, it, but it's also transfers into an irrevocable trust called a Medicaid trust or any other transfer into any kind of irrevocable trust. <laughs> so, uh, but but the reason that it's uh, limited, I mean, no matter what you do, it's a case where you have to have absolute trust of, for your, your children, and you have to hope and pray that you don't have, and your spouse does not have, <clears throat> uh, 
for five years after you create the trust and transfer your property into the trust. You have to hope and pray that you don't have a crisis that puts you into a nursing home. Uh, in fact, right now, I am uh, helping a family uh, unwind an irrevocable Medicaid-type trust that was created for a 90-year-old widow. And, I, you know, I keep thinking to myself, who, would, who in the world would transfer property and create a penalty for a 90-year-old? I mean, because the probability of having a crisis within five years is extraordinarily high to do that. I mean, if someone insisted that I did do a, a Medicaid trust, if you will, and if they were in their early 70s and healthy as they can be, then I would consider doing it. But I would never do it for somebody in their 80s or even 90 years old because of the probability that you would have to unwind it in order to help them get Medicaid sooner. Um, but but the, the essence of the story is if you have the right kind of legal documents, and I talk about having an advanced general durable power of attorney all the time. And the reason is if you have the right kind of power of attorney, which most people don't, particularly seniors, you can do advanced asset protection planning without creating one of these five-year trusts, if you will. And um, it's so dangerous to create a five-year trust because nobody knows the future. I mean, even if you're 60 years old, you can have a stroke. I mean, that's this kind of thing where very dangerous to do that. And there are better alternatives, in, in my opinion. And that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that I hope uh, people do get out of our webinars, the fact that there are certain things that are out there that um, people hear about and say, oh, I want one of those. And then they go and do it and they, they find out they've actually made a mistake. Yeah, you don't want to be in that situation. And Bill, your webinars are free to attend. It's free to register. All you have to do is go to WGA Law. Dot com. That's Bill's website, wgalaw.com, and click on the seminars button. If you're thinking about, you know, making some plans before you make any major decisions, you should attend one of these seminars because it's free to attend, it's free to register, they're highly educational, and there's no obligation to do anything after you've attended. Go to wgalaw.com and click on that seminars button and get access to the information that Bill is able to provide you for free. Again, they're very wonderful seminars. The first one deals with long-term care assistance, Medicaid, as Bill was mentioning before, veterans benefits, and the afternoon session deals with asset protection and trust planning. You can attend one or either of them. Uh, it's Again, it's free to register, free to attend. All you need is an email address and internet access, and you're good to go. These are in the form of webinars currently. WGALaw.com. Just click on that seminars button to register ahead of this coming Wednesday's seminars on Wednesday, July 14th. We are taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong, and I have the pleasure of being here with Bill Alexander, who's joining us via Zoom. Bill uh, enjoyed a nice week off for the 4th, but uh, again, he's he's a man of his word. He still shows up here on Saturday mornings to help educate me and everyone else uh, on our uh, listening today, so we always appreciate that. I want to remind everyone that this Wednesday, Bill's having his free webinars. You can go online to wgalaw.com, wgalaw.com. Click on the seminars button so that you can register and attend Bill's seminars. The first one in the morning session dealing with long-term care assistance, and the afternoon session deals with asset protection and trust planning. Bill, we were uh, on an important subject in the first segment talking about Medicaid trusts, and I'm sure this is probably something you cover in your seminars, but why we, we may want to think twice if that's an option that is presented well, to us. No question about it, and and don't cut my vacation short. I still have a day and a half left. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't shortchange you, Bill. Yeah, don't do that. So anyway, all right, so so many, why people even consider a Medicaid trust, if you will, is because they they think in, in, my, in my mind, erroneously, that they need to get rid of their assets before they die or before they need nursing care so that they can get on Medicaid, which is not a good assumption. I, I'm a true believer that people should keep control of their property for their entire lifetime. And there are reasons, a lot of good reasons for that, uh, but control is extremely important to us. And uh, number one, even in trying to transfer a substantial amount of property to our children. Now, first of all, if if you're transferring the house and a bunch of, and your uh, investment portfolio, and of course you can't transfer a retirement account without it being a taxable event. You have to die for it to be transferred to your spouse or children without it being a taxable event. Uh, and, and so the, uh, and of course, retirement accounts are countable assets for Medicaid, uh, but there are ways we can make them non accountable if you know so there are a lot of alternatives there that's a that's a totally different topic we can talk about but you know transferring property to your children as an alternative is generally a mistake um and it uh, sometimes you can use certain types of trusts which work and a medicaid trust is one when it's appropriate but in my practice it's not appropriate very often uh, and, and so why would you keep control? Well, number one, typically your children are bigger risk takers than you are uh, as a senior. Uh, you know, most seniors are not risky kind of people, <laughs> you know. And of course, the biggest risk is health care for them. But most of the time they need money, uh, that is cash, to pay for that care. And just because you give it away doesn't guarantee that government will help you at all. It really depends uh, on the level of care you need. And for most people, there's no assistance. There's so many people that fall into the hole in the safety net, if you will, uh, 
and and it's tragic, but it happens all the time. And if you've given your property away and you don't control it anymore, that's a huge problem for folks. And, uh, 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 you know, I, sometimes I talk about the fact that the lady and her husband gave away their home uh, and they even retained a life estate husband then the husband died and the, the wife needed assisted living and you know her children didn't live anywhere close by and the only way she could get assistance was either to mortgage her home or sell her home and and, and the daughter that uh, and the daughter's husband whom they had given the remainder interest in their house preserving a life estate would not cooperate so in essence, uh, the mom could not get any money out of her house, couldn't sell it, couldn't mortgage it, and, and in essence, uh, couldn't get the help she needed because her daughter would not cooperate. That was a tragic situation, but it, 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 it was because they lost control and they should never have done that to begin with. And of course, uh, you know, when you make significant gifts, you have gift tax liability. And the worst thing, quite frankly, for a lot of folks is they transfer their house by, you know, the, they think they need to, and they trying to protect it. And then they find because there's not government assistance available to them, that the only asset they have that they can do something with is to sell their house. Uh, in order to, to uh, create those problems. And guess what? If you've given your house to your children, then you have lost your exemption from income tax. It's called a 121 exemption in the Internal Revenue Code. But basically, most folks know that if they sell their primary residence, as a married couple, they have a $500,000 exemption from income tax. And if they're single, they have a $250,000 exemption, which for most of us means that we can sell our house, uh, you know, under the, under the exemption rules uh, and not pay any income tax. Well, if we've transferred our house to our children, it's not their primary residence. So if they sell the house in order to pay for the care that you need, uh, then guess what? they have to pay capital gains tax on the appreciation for the property that you were trying to protect. And if they have to pay federal and state income tax uh, for the capital gain, you know, they, they might have to pay 50 or $75,000 in taxes that you would not have had to pay had you sold the house yourself to pay for the care. And so, uh, you know, that's bad on a lot of different fronts, but, you know, obviously you were trying to protect your house and instead of protecting it, you lost your shirt because your children had to pay income tax on the sale. And that gave you that much less money to pay for your care or to leave your kids when you're, when you die. So again, again, having the right advice, not assuming that you know what you're doing when you're thinking that you have to give everything away, which is almost always a mistake in a big, big, bad way. Um, but having the right document and particularly the advanced general durable power of attorney is always, always, always key. 
but let's say that you that you're convinced you need to do a Medicaid trust. What is it? What's a Medicaid trust? Well, first of all, it's irrevocable. It's a trust that you create, you or you and your spouse create. And you can do it one of two ways. You can transfer property into the trust and retain the income, but you cannot retain control of the principal. In other words, your children have to be the beneficiaries of the principal. Now, if you retain the income, that basically means the income is countable for Medicaid purposes. And if it's your income and it goes uh, uh, and you go to nursing care, then the income will be part of the patient liability on Medicaid. Or you can create the irrevocable trust where your children are the beneficiaries of both the income and the principal. Um, now, uh, obviously, uh, if you need the principal to pay for your care, then the only way to get it out of that trust is to distribute it to the children because they're the beneficiary of the principal. And if if the income, you know, it could be in, income and principal, but it's always going to be principal. And of course, it just it simply means you don't have control over that principal anymore. And you have to hope that your children uh, are uh, understand how it works, make the distribution to themselves, and then help you by by paying uh, for the care that you need. Uh, hopefully that that works for you. So obviously in, in doing that type of planning, your children have to be trustworthy and make it work for you. Uh, and of course, that's you know, there are families that have loving and trusting uh, situations, and you hope everyone does, but we, but we all know that that's not true in every case. And sometimes you have children that are trustworthy, and sometimes you don't. One's trustworthy, one's not. You know, <laughs> there's, you know, we're all different. We all face different kinds of, of issues. But the, uh, at least in my experience, I find that families are pretty darn complex. Uh, at times, uh, you, you hope life is simple, but the fact is that, that life is not so simple for most of us. Sometimes that is the case. And in this situation, there, there can be multiple ways to achieve a desired result. And that's why Bill's seminars are so important for those who may be dealing with a long-term care crisis, or maybe you see one down the road. Go ahead and start your planning now. There are ways to achieve uh, some of the goals that Bill mentioned without having to pursue a Medicaid trust. If you want to register and attend Bill's free webinars, go to wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button. It's so easy to do. wgalaw.com. Click on the seminars button. Bill has two wonderful seminars happening on this Wednesday, July 14th. The morning session deals with long-term care assistance, many of the topics that we're talking about this morning deals with VA benefits as well. The afternoon session deals with asset protection and trust planning. If you would like to attend either or both of those, go to wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button. Or if you want to call the office, that phone number is 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more 
This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Find more about him online anytime at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's also where you can register for Bill's seminars happening this Wednesday, July 14th. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button to register for either the morning session dealing with long-term care assistance or you can register for the afternoon session dealing with asset protection and trust planning. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're having a discussion. Bill, we we just spent some time talking about Medicaid trusts, which are irrevocable trusts, and uh, now let's let's spend a little time talking about revocable trusts. I, I think we should. Um, actually, the most common trust that people create. And of course, uh, uh, even within uh, revocable trust, they're very different from one to another, or they can be. And uh, I know the ones I do are very different from what I see other attorneys do from time to time, because I review a lot of trust myself. But the most common trust, and, and in fact, the folks who read about, should we do a trust versus a will, just a will-based plan versus a trust-based plan, what they're talking about are revocable trusts. And a revocable trust is where you or you and your spouse create a trust for yourself. So you are the trust maker, the grantor of the trust. You name yourself as the trustee. That's the person who, the fiduciary who manages the trust property. And then you name yourself as the primary beneficiary. So you're wearing all three hats. Seems sort of funky. Um, in fact, it is so funky that the Internal Revenue Service and the Department of Revenue completely ignores any kind of revocable trust. And it's ignored. But I mean, in essence, you use your Social Security number for any property that's in the trust. You don't have a trust income tax return. You pay your taxes exactly the way you did before creating a trust. And, and but it does a, a trust and people who've done any reading at all know that a trust gives you a way of avo avoiding probate, avoiding the court administration, which makes uh, the administration at your death faster uh, more efficient, less costly, um, a, a lot of good things. But the main reason that a trust is a good plan, a revocable trust, is it gives you far more advanced planning options than a will-based trust could ever do. And that makes a huge difference for a lots, lots of families because trust-based planning is about how you deal with your estate when you die, not only for your spouse, but especially for your children. And you can really do some uh, pretty cool planning with revocable trust. But, and, and I don't wanna dwell on that. Uh, what I wanna dwell on is the biggest problem I see with revocable trust. And the biggest problem I see is that there are a lot of attorneys out there who create the documents 
but then they don't help their clients transfer their property to themselves as trustee, what we call funding the trust. And half the time when people come into my office and say, would like we, for you to review our trust that we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago, uh, and there's lots of reasons that they need to be reviewed because taxes, tax laws have changed significantly and families change over time and, and all of those things. But the fact is, is that more often than not, I'll say, well, what have you put into this trust? You know, what have you funded? And I'll get these blank stares back uh, like, what do you mean? And more often than not, there's been no property put into the trust. Now, the fact is that's that's a horrible situation. It it actually now whenever you do a revocable trust, you have a will that says, "When I die, I put my property into my trust." Well, if that's what you're counting on, then you're not going to save any money, and you're going to pay out more because then all your property has to be administered through the courthouse with the additional expenses and, and fees uh, through court administration. And then you have trust administration on top of that. So that that's where you're getting burned. But if you transfer your property into the trust or to yourself as trustee during your lifetime, then you avoid the courthouse altogether. And, and that's really the way any kind of trust must be set up. I mean, if you, I won't do a trust unless folks understand we got to move the property into the trust once we get the document signed. That's such a huge part uh, of the trust. So it's not just about the documents. You just started when you have the documents. Then it's about, and you know, moving the property into the trust, and then, uh, and you, and folks ask me, well, how do I know if it's done? I, I can't remember if I've done it or not. And I say, well, look on your bank statement. Does it after your name? Does it have comma trustee or tr? If it does, it's in your trust. If it doesn't, it's in your individual name, and you got a problem. You got to go to the bank, sign new signature cards and basically take it over as, as trustee. Same thing for your investment accounts, your real estate. If you have an LLC or a corporation that you own, then you can assign those to the trust. But that's the key to making a trust and all the planning that you've done work efficiently. Because if you haven't transferred your property into your trust, your trust is either going to cause a mess or it's going to be very inefficient. So now if you do it right, it's fabulous. And I love trust-based planning, but it's got to be done right uh, in order to work well for you. Uh, now, if you think, is it a lot of trouble? Well, there is some trouble with it because you got to actually do the funding. In some ways, um, it's sort of like uh, transferring property before you die. You know, it, when you die and you have a will, uh, property gets transferred from you to your spouse or you to your children or both. 
And when you do a trust, you're sort of doing the same thing. You're transferring property to yourself as trustee so that you don't necessarily have to do it again when you die. Now, if you have multiple children, then you have to divvy it up among the children. But, you know, that's that's fairly easy to do if you're not doing it through the courthouse. Uh, and and so um, you, you're just but it has to be done. And it's so much easier, faster, less stress to do it while you're alive and well and know what you're doing than somebody having to do it for you af after your death. Um, but the main reason for doing a revocable trust is the fact that it gives you so many planning options because, at least for me, my clients love control and they know that they have issues uh, either, you know, it might be if they're lucky, it's a first marriage. It might be a second or third marriage with children by previous marriages. That makes things complex. So how do you protect your spouse? and protect your children. Well, if you're doing it with a trust, you can actually do that. You can protect your spouse and your children uh, to make sure that your children actually get the inheritance that you hope that they will enjoy when you're gone. So anyway, uh, trust-based planning is great, but it's got to be done right. That is correct. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's also why if you have done some planning in the past and you want to have that reviewed, it's wonderful to have that viewed through the eyes of an elder law attorney. You can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill by going to WGA Law. Dot com. There you can, again, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, or you can register for Bill's seminars happening this Wednesday, July 14th, if you are interested in the subjects of long-term care assistance, as well as the subjects of asset protection and trust planning. Bill has two wonderful seminars that he will be putting on this Wednesday, July 14th. Go to WGALaw.com to register to attend. It's free to do so. These are wonderful education opportunities for you and there's no obligation tied into any of this this is just something that bill does the second wednesday of every month you get a lot of the wonderful tips that we hear on asset protection today we are taking a quick break but we'll be right back again this is asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we'll be right back after this listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, WGALaw.com is Bill's website. If you want to register for Bill's seminars happening this Wednesday, July 14th, that is the best place to do it. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page, or if you prefer to call the office, that phone number is 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. Seven thousand. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, one of the the threads that has been woven through today's show is the importance of legal documents, and with that comes making some important decisions. Well, I, I, I just want to briefly, and I'm I'm going to have to come back to this subject because it's a big subject. But let's say that there's not a trust, there's a will, and you've been named the executor of the will. Uh, frankly, the, the most important thing when a loved one dies, you have to recognize that 
even if you've been named executor, you don't have the authority to do diddly squat uh, until you go to the courthouse with the will and you're named the executor, <coughs> excuse me, and you get letters testamentary from the clerk of superior court. However, there are things that need to be done immediately. And the first thing is to secure the home, make sure it's locked, make it, you know, uh, have people stay there, uh, get, you know, get the lights on and, and those kind of things. Because the truth is, is that there are uh, thieves that look at the obituaries and then they sco start scoping out the house. Uh, and so securing the house and, and so in some communities, it helps to let the uh, sheriff's department or the police department know so that they'll drive by more often if they know that the house is vacant. Also recognizing that if, if no one can stay there, that they, they uh, may need to contact their insurance agent uh, fairly soon uh, so that uh, they might have to convert to a fire insurance policy from a homeowner's insurance policy um, to avoid where their policy actually becomes null and void because the house is vacant. A lot of folks don't realize that. And, and I will say the hardest part about doing any kind of a state is taking care of the house uh, getting, you know, getting it cleaned out, distributing the property to those folks where it goes. That's the hard part. It really is. Uh, yeah. Now, the other thing you have to do is get your power of attorney's void upon death. So, and, and, and frankly, I tell folks, don't worry about the legal stuff because you're not going to get a death certificate for a couple of weeks. And typically you need the death certificate to open the estate with a copy of the last will and testament. And so, and most people don't even look for those kind of things until after the funeral. And of course, one of the biggest issues today is where is all of the banks and the investments and retirement accounts and all of that's digital now. So if you don't have the passwords uh, and the usernames and things like that, it becomes really difficult to figure that out. So obviously knowing that in advance of death is really uh, extremely important today, where in the past it wasn't so hard. Because in the past you could just wait a month and you get all the mail in the mailbox, but not anymore. So uh, having that information in advance is so critically important today. And I realize I'm out of time, so I'll have to come back and explore this more next week. Yeah, that's a great idea. And it's something that uh, until you're in that situation, you don't realize uh, all the steps that are involved that go into it. And uh, that's that would be, I think, a helpful topic for a lot of people. We do have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, WGALaw.com is Bill's website. That's where you can register for his seminars happening this Wednesday, 
July 14th. It's free to register, free to attend. These are highly educational seminars, very, very useful for those who are interested in learning more about the subjects of long-term care assistance, dealing with the astronomical costs of long-term care, as well as learning about asset protection and trust planning that is covered in the afternoon session. Again, WGA Law. Dot com. Click on the seminars button or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend. This has been Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.